Also, I see Anna with us. Uh, just a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this evening, as we come to your word, truly our desire is that you would speak. We know that it is through your word that you do speak to us. We know that your word goes forth that does not return void. And Father, we pray that this evening, through your word, that you would accomplish your purposes in each and every one of us. That we would be challenged. That we'd be encouraged. That we'd be reminded of the satisfaction that we have in God alone. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift, I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth, they shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Likely, as we read through Psalm 63, it's, it's a well-known psalm. Maybe not, if you don't know the whole psalm, there's definitely bits and pieces or verses that stand out that, that you're likely very familiar with. There's probably verses in here, even this psalm itself, that you have clung to in difficult times, that you have often turned to and referred to. It's a well-known psalm, psalm. It's a greatly beloved psalm. Notice the description here at the beginning. It says, Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. As David pens this psalm, He's a fugitive. There's a couple times in his life which this could refer to. It could be one of the times when he's a fugitive from Saul, when he's on the run. Or, like the other two psalms leading up to this, Psalm 61 and 62, it could be while he's on the run from his son Absalom. Either way, as David pens this, he's a fugitive. And that is amazing to meditate on. This often quoted psalm, this hope-filled psalm that expresses David's satisfaction in God is not written from his royal couch. It's not written while he reclines in his palace. It's not written after a great victory. This psalm is not written as David lays on the hills 
And the beautiful sun and the, the, the breeze as the sheep are before him, as he's a shepherd early in his life with no, no worries, nothing weighing on him. That's not when this psalm is written. This psalm in which David unpacks the joy that he has, the satisfaction that he has in God, is written while he's a fugitive. It's written while he's on the run, while he's in the wilderness. While there are men who are trying to kill him. And yet it's a hope-filled psalm. It's a joy-filled psalm. It's a confidence-filled psalm. It's a psalm of satisfaction in God. You can kind of follow the breakdown of the psalm by following the, the line, My soul. It shows up three times. First time in verse 1, my soul thirsts for you. In verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied. And in verse 8, my soul follows. First thing we see in the first four verses is my soul thirsts for you. It starts out with a cry, oh God, you are my God. That's a confidence statement. To his God, his personal God, you are my God. You're not just a God. You're not just the God. You are my God. You hear my prayer. You see my plight. Even here in the wilderness, you are my God. As my friends abandoned me, as, as, as probably as he's writing this, as my son is seeking my life, you are still my God. Everything else can fall away, but you are my God. And therefore, early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. It will not be my last thought or my last response, but my first thought. My first response, my first instinct will be to seek you, my God. We don't often live that way, do we? God is not often our first thought. As trouble arises, as, as life has its ebbs and its flows, I remember a specific time in my life. Uh, it was just a little thing, really. Well, I'll never forget how much it, it impacted me. I think I've told this story before. Um, it was when Chris and I were working at the youth center in Indianapolis. And one day, some kid had had his, his phone stolen. And so there was a fence around us. So we locked down the youth center. We had everyone sit down, and we're trying to figure out who stole this phone. And we're going through everyone, and we're searching them, we're asking them, where was it, where did this happen, what's going on? And finally, we've been at this 30 minutes, and we're not getting anywhere, and we can't do anything else until we figure this out. And finally, the youth center director kind of brings me and the, the other helper aside, and he's like, let's, let's stop and let's pray. Now, I remember in that moment, it's a little thing. That's the right response, and that's, and, and that's what we should do. And we did end up finding the phone. But I remember it struck me in that moment. Huh, that's a good idea. Why didn't we start with that? It's, it's not that I was, you know, some 
you know, we should pray. No, we shouldn't pray. Let's find this in our own strength. That wasn't the idea. It, was just, it, it just didn't cross my mind. It was not my first thought. A phone's missing? All right, let's find it. Let's get to it. My first thought was not to go to my God in prayer. And that's just a little thing. But if, you, if God is not first in the little things, he won't be first in the big things. God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. First thing. Before anything else. Early. You are my first thought. And as we'll see later in verse 6, you are my last thought. Early will I seek you. Why? Because my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In the dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Most of us have probably not been in a situation like David. Our bodies have not yearned for water like his has. But there are times when I get thirsty, when I'm, I've been outside. Just the other day, I was outside playing basketball. My boys are all into basketball. They love playing basketball. And so we'll go out, and now the weather's been nice, we'll, we'll play. And, and we were getting thirsty, and we went inside to get some water. We didn't have water. We had some pop, but that just doesn't satisfy like water, like the, the, the sweet smoothness of water. So we walked to the store and got some water, and it tasted so good. But David here, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, he finds himself in a dry and thirsty land. He finds himself in a place where there is no water. And yet even as my body longs for water, my soul longs all the more for my God. His thirst is real. His need is real, and yet his need for God is even greater. In fact, look what he says in verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. He longs to be back. To be in the tabernacle, in the sanctuary, to be with the congregation, to worship his God. He longs to be there and he reflects on times of worship. So what have I done in this wilderness where there is no, no water? I'm in a dry and a thirsty land and my soul thirsts for you. So I have looked back to the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I have remembered, I've reflected on times of worship as I have gathered with the congregation and how sweet that worship was. W. Graham Scroge commented this. He said, our vision in the mountain should be our comfort in the valley. That's what David is saying here. My body's weak. I am tired and I long to be with you. But I know that you haven't changed. I know who you are. I know that you're still my God. I know that you see me. And so what, what does David do in this moment of, of weakness? As his body longs for sweet water, he, he thinks back and he remembers those times on the mountaintop as he gathered with the congregation, as they worshipped God, 
how sweet it was. He remembers those times when God has been found faithful. When God has kept his promises. He finds comfort in that. He sees his power of God. He sees the power of God and the glory of God. He remembers that. He meditates on that. Why? Because your loving kindness, your faithful love, your mercy is better than life. It is better than life itself. Fellowship with God is sweeter and more satisfying than anything this life can offer. It is better than life. And so my lips shall praise you. And thus I will bless you while I live. You are better than life and so I will use my life to praise you. I will lift up my hands in your name. He uses the idea, he uses the word lips in verse 3 and in verse 5. My lips shall praise you, my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips, which that fits into the whole picture of this song. Verse 1, the picture is my soul thirsts for you as my body thirsts after water in a dry land. In this dry land, as my, my lips are cracked and my mouth is dry, and yet David's lips, dry and desperate for water, will not cease to joyfully praise his Lord and his God. And thus, I will bless you while I live. I will bless you with my life. I will lift up my hands in your name. As you come to verse 5, you come to the second, my soul. First, in verse 1, my soul thirsts. Now he says, my soul shall be satisfied. As with morrow and fatness. Those things that are desired after to, to bring satisfaction. My soul thirsts and my soul will be satisfied. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Remember what he said in verse 1? Early I will seek you. Now in verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. You will be my first thought and you will be my last thought. I will remember you on my bed. I will meditate, you, meditate on you in the night watches. You fill my thoughts. What keeps you up at night? What are the things that you meditate on? What are the scenarios that you run over and over and over again? Is it worry? Or is it wonder? Is it worship? You may say, well, you know, I'm in this stressful situation. I can't help but think on it. My mind just automatically goes there. Look where David is. He's in the wilderness. His body is screaming for water. And yet what is his first and his last thought? It is God. My God. You fill my thoughts. You're my first thought. You're my last thought. Because you have been my help. 
Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice there again because you have been. I have tasted of your faithfulness in the past and I am, I am meditating on that in the present. I long for you. I know that you will satisfy me and I will remember who you are. I will remember what you've done. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. We've talked about that picture already. Of a mother hen who brings her, her children, her, her little uh, chicks. Is that what a hen has? Chicks. Close to her breast. In the shadow of your wings. It reminds me of the, 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 the line in that song that we sing. Nearer, still nearer. Fold me, oh fold me close to thy breast. Pull me in. I will hide in the shadow of your wings. I will rejoice. David can rejoice in the wilderness for the same reason that Paul and Silas can rejoice in prison. Because God is still God. He's the same God on the mountaintop as he is in the wilderness as he is in prison. Your circumstances don't change who your God is. And David knows that, and that's why he starts with, Oh God, my God, you have not changed. Even as I am in the wilderness, you have not changed. And so I will rejoice. I will praise you. I will worship. Because neither the vastness of the wilderness or the bars of jail can limit or hide the greatness and the goodness of your God. Again, W. Graham Scroggie says this, It matters little how dry and weary the land is so long as we are sure that God is ours. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. What matters is who is your God. My soul thirsts. My soul shall be satisfied because of who you are. I will find my satisfaction in you. And then verse 8, my soul follows close behind you. There's a progression in this psalm. Thirst, it will be satisfied, so I will follow. I will follow close behind you. We just recently got a little dog. It's a little tiny Maltese. Um, and as you're walking around the house, he, he follows you. He's, that, he's a really good dog. But he follows. And he doesn't just follow like at a distance. He follows literally right on your heels. I have to be careful as I'm stepping. There's several times where I've almost stepped on him. He's right there. That's the idea. I will follow close behind you, as close as I can possibly be. I will follow you. Where you lead, I will follow. Your right hand upholds me. Contrary to David, who will be satisfied in God, his enemies will not find satisfaction. Those who seek my life to destroy it, that's what they want. They shall go to the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. 
David rejoices and he finds comfort here, not just in God's mercy, not just in God's love. He finds comfort in God's justice. Your loving kindness is better than life. I rejoice in your love. I rejoice in your mercy. And yet at the same time, he rejoices in God's justice. He knows that right will be done. That justice will be served. That those who love evil, who speak lies, will not get away with it. We don't often like to focus on that, but that is comfort for us as believers. There's comfort for us in the fact that God will not just ignore wrongs. Justice will be served. David finds comfort, he finds satisfaction in his God. As we come to the end of this psalm, I think there's a couple questions that we have to ask. First, Does your soul thirst tonight? Maybe as we read this psalm, maybe, maybe this evening you find yourself in those first four verses. You find yourself in a wilderness. David is literally in a wilderness. Maybe your soul thirsts and you long for God. And I would call you this evening to remember who satisfies. Remember who satisfies. And follow close behind him. Meditate on the goodness of your God. It's easy. It's easy to do that when we're on the mountaintops. It's easy to do that when we feel like it. The problem is that a lot of times we need to remember that. We find ourselves in, like David, in these first four verses, we find ourselves in a difficult situation. We find ourselves in a wilderness of sorts. When our soul is thirsting, that's when we don't often feel like it. But if you're there this evening, remember that your soul thirsts and there is one who can satisfy it. Remember who satisfies. Secondly, is your soul satisfied? Maybe this evening you're not necessarily in in, in a difficult situation. Maybe you are on a mountaintop. Maybe your soul feels satisfied this morning, this evening. If that's, the, if that's the case, then rejoice. Rejoice and remember. Because it is those times that David looks back on that give him strength when his soul is thirsting. He remembers the times when he was satisfied, when he was in the sanctuary. He remembers the time when he worshipped with the congregation. He remembers 
that God has been his help and what he has done. And it is those things that drive him to find his satisfaction in God. So maybe if you find yourself this evening in a place where life is good, you are growing by the grace of God in Christ. Cling to that. Rejoice in that. And remember that. Remember it. I remember when my mom, uh, when, I, when I was little, there was this phase that she went through where she was really into scrapbooking. And scrapbooking is where you had these little fancy scissors with all these different designs on them and you'd cut these things out and you'd glue them on and put glitter and all these different pens and markers and, and really all you're doing is putting pictures on a page and you're just adding all this other stuff. But what was the point of it? It was to look back and to remember. And so remember. Remember those times when you feel God's goodness. Remember those times when you see answered prayers. Remember those times when your spirit was lifted by a verse, by a brother or sister in Christ coming alongside you and, and praying with you challenging you. Remember the good times so you can cling to them in the bad times. And if your soul is thirsting tonight, remember those good times. Remember those answered prayers. Remember those promises that are yours in Christ. Cling to them. And remember who satisfies. But either way, whether you're in the valley or whether you're on the mountaintop, either way, don't let your circumstances silence your worship. Either way, regardless of where you are, praise is just as necessary and just as sweet from cracked lips as from a satisfied soul. So wherever you are, praise God. And remember, for He alone is worthy. O oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. Don't forget your God. Even as we transition to a time of prayer,